Talk Radio 570 KVI. It's KVI Want to Know Weekends. KVI Want to Know Weekends. Get ready to raise a toast with Seattle's most spirited hour of talk. Happy Hour Radio, sponsored by Woodenville Wine Country. Explore the best in Washington wines, beer, spirits, food, and more with your guide, Seattle sommelier, Christopher Chan. It's Happy Hour Radio, right now on Talk Radio 570 KBI. Hello, hello, and welcome to Happy Hour Radio. I'm your host, Christopher Chan, advanced sommelier, your weekend wine guy, master mixologist, and commodore of cocktails. Welcome to the show. Some fun stuff happening around town. I've got uh, a great event here in a couple weeks called Wine Rocks. Wine Rocks, Thursday, July 10th at Bell Harbor. Check out winerocksseattle.com if you like music, wine, food, and sunshine. It's a great day. Also, if you like spirits, I've got proof that Washington Distillers Guild is hosting a grand tasting at Fremont Studios, proofwashington.com. That's Saturday, July 12th, the Proof Distillers Guild tasting at Fremont Studios. And speaking of studios, I've got three fantastic guests, as always, here on Happy Hour Radio. I've got uh, the one and only Lance Winters from St. George Spirits, stgeorgespirits.com. He is a nuclear engineer and more, uh, making things like terroir gin, botanivore, and a dry rye gin, plus more stuff like an absinthe. I also have the marketing maven of Washington, Miss Jamie Piha, pihapromotions.com. She's uh, she's the one behind Wine Rocks these days, and much, much more. And uh, also, uh, an old Southern boy, Chris Sparkman, from Sparkman Cellars up in Woodenville. Chris Sparkman, welcome to Happy Hour. Morning, sir. How are you? I'm great. Life is good on Saturdays because it's Happy Hour Radio. So, my friend, uh, you've been in Washington for, what, 12 years now? December of 2000, so that puts us right about 13. 13, yep. okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, working on my history here. Pretty good. <laughs> um, but uh, as I mentioned, you're from the South. Uh, tell me about your past, your heritage. Hillbilly from the uh, <laughs> Smoky Mountains, Knoxville is where I grew up, born in Music City, um, and broke into the restaurant business, and it was actually 30 years ago, Chris, Wow. at a little place in New Orleans called Commander's Palace which in 1984 was Playboy Magazine's number one restaurant in the United States. That's about when my subscription ended, actually. (laughs) (laughs) We had this uh, unknown chef at the time. You might have heard of him, Emeril something. Yeah, so I got to work with Emeril Lagasse and Ella Brennan, who was the National Restaurateur of the Year. That's kind of how I got to cut my teeth in hospitality. It was a phenomenal place to be able to do that. Quite a privilege. And, of course, the wine that came with it kind of ruined me for the rest of, <laughs> hopefully, the you rest spoiled of my days. dog. Yeah. Well, that's fantastic. Uh, Commander's Palace. And, you know, in those days, we had magazines. We had the television, the telephone, the radio, and magazines. We didn't have internet. We didn't have cell phones. We didn't have uh, Twitter. So those rec- that kind of recognition through Playboy, something like that, which was... One of the most uh, uh, highbrow integrity magazines, along with some pretty pictures, I'm sure. <laughs> it, it, well, it was. We didn't have Zagat, and we didn't have a whole lot of things. Kind of like the, I don't know if you watched the Mariners last night, but the, they still call the bullpen with a 
phone that has a wire, you know, it's kind of, I don't know. What they don't want odd. anybody scanning that NSA stuff, or maybe it's already, it's too late. I guess. I don't think there's be any secrets behind there anyway. <laughs> uh, but so fun to have you. So when did you come to Washington? You said tw- 13 years ago? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> December 2000, Paul McKay um, hired me to work at El Gaucho, and I s- stayed with the McKay group for... I'm still with the McKay Group as a consultant and uh, ran the Waterfront Seafood Grill for a decade and uh, learned an awful lot about this area and good living. You know, good uh, living. You know, the McKays are great people, and and that led to this little initiative that we call Sparkman Sellers. And when was the epiphany that, oh my goodness, I want to do that? Upon the birth, uh, upon learning of the birth of our first daughter, Stella May. Hi, Stella. Hi, Ruby. Hello, Stella. Hello, Ruby. Stella. (laughs) Um, We decided that it might be a good idea for me to be home to help with homework once we got there and maybe to not miss holidays and weekends and to actually um, be a dad who was present. And that was really the genesis for that idea. And we knew so many people in the wine business just like yourself. You know, we were night. You can use the word naive. Sometimes we say stupid. (laughs) <laughs> uh, enough to uh, to believe that this was a good idea. Actually, it's turned out to be an amazing privilege is the word I'm using these days, which is really um, seems like the right word. And the goal was by the time we got to first grade that I would be full-time doing this. And the day Stella started first grade, I resigned as GM at the waterfront. So that's, it's nice to set lofty goals and attain them. Well, congratulations on that. I know Sparkman Cellars, which is located up in Woodenville Wine Country, uh, is one of the flagships. You've obviously had a great connectivity to the uh, wine-consuming public and uh, a public of great food, and obviously your experience, and that's translated uh, fantastically to wine. I understand, uh, have you always been a Red Mountain guy, or did you ease into walking up the hill? Our, our sort of the history of the winery and a couple of snapshots was that we were going to do a wine shop and Charles Smith talked me into this. Thanks, Charles. <laughs> um, and I um, signed my first uh, grape contract, which actually looked like a handshake. We still do that with Tom Hedges in his driveway on Red Mountain in, uh, I believe it was August of 2004. So yeah, we started out on Red Mountain and uh, have been again, privileged to work with the greats up there, the Gellises and the Holmes and the Williams and it's just, uh, and the Shaws, it's just, uh, you know, it's a special place for... It's a great neighborhood. Some nice people over there. And speaking of uh, Patricia Gellis, she'll be on our show next week. So I'll be excited to chat up about Red Mountain even further. And You know uh, that'll be entertaining, Of you? course. We hooked up at uh, Celebrate Siraj. He says, I'm in town. I said, well, then you're on the show. So that's going to be fun. 30 years they're celebrating this summer. Exactly. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, starting Happy Hour Radio this year has been such a serendipitous um opportunity to to bring in people like Brian Carter celebrating 30 years, Trisha Gellis and Steve Metzler, and just so many milestone years. It's been really fun. And even for you, it's August 4th, we were shaking hands. So this is your 10th vintage. That's right. No, this will be our 11th, actually. 14 will be. So it's kind of crazy that this is what's happened. We started, we made 289 cases in 2004, and we'll do probably crest 10,000 cases this year across 
25 different labels, 20 different varietals, six different AVAs. We're um and a partridge in a pear tree. Yeah, we're we're really excited about the potential of Washington the the realized and potential potential of Washington uh wine and just as just enough schizophrenia in play to continue to work through all kinds of interesting different varietals and blends and whatever else we dream up. Holy smokes. Well, I'm speaking with Chris Sparkman of Sparkman Cellars here on Happy Hour Radio. Did you say 25 different labels? I did. You did. Is you, do you just give your, your young your children, your young little girls some, some crayons and just go at it? It's, um, it's a little bit like that, although I would be the one with the crayon. But, um, we, you know, we keep stumbling across blocks in phenomenal vineyards and tasting this fruit and then looking at the grower and saying, got any of that? that I can have and actually brought a couple of those um, examples here. Fantastic. I see two bottles of wine here on the Happy Hour Radio Bar, we'll call this, and I'm fortunate to have two glasses of red wine. So tell me about the first one. You said a Grenache blend. It is 83%, I think, Grenache, and there's a pinch of Syrah. Uh, this is sourced from Boucher, Lonesome Spring, and Olson Vineyards. Um, it's done with about half whole cluster, which really gives us that lovely non-fruit sort of spice box and orange peel and all that kind of goodness. And um, our winemaker, Lynn Scott's really brought a whole other layer of acumen to our program. And, and this is one of his, I think, favorite projects. I, You know, you can tell we make some pretty dark wines. If you look at the next wine, uh, you've seen our Syrahs and Cabs, but... The, called the darkness, I guess, right? Yes, One indeed. of them? Yep. Grenache can be this lovely, elegant, super food-friendly, almost Washington's Pinot Noir, if you will. And, I, and I'm loving the fact that we're able to do this. Uh, it's delicious. So tell me, this is a 2012 vintage, and what's it called? It's called Wonderland. Wonderland. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. It's delicious. Uh, I love the red fruit. It's got bright, balanced acidity. Um just a touch of oak, because I don't get much. Yeah, about about 25% yeah, new. Nice, syrup. just to give us some of that sweet vanilla to complement the, the red fruits. Uh, the tannin is very supple, integrated, uh, but it does have some warmth to it. I mean, um, it feels good. Yeah. yeah, 2012 was a remarkably rich vintage, and the wines were precocious. We were tasting them in the spring following secondary fermentation, which is normally not a very pleasant Time to taste new wines, and they were delicious, and they were screaming at us, "Put me in the bottle and get me out!" You know, to the to the consumer, and and uh, so here they are. Is this your first Grenache blend? It is actually our third. We um, have a little wine club called the Ring of Fire, (laughs) and we make we make a number of these twenty five labels. Many of them start as projects to reward our wine club members. That you can only get if you join the Ring of Fire. I love that. And I've always believed alcohol is a great reward. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> they always seem to be smiling. So, and then if, they, you know, if it resonates with them after a couple of years, we'll bring it to the broad market. So this is the first time we've actually brought it out of the wine club. Uh, very cool. That is actually the San Michelle uh, textbook marketing plan. They start off with a little label and on-premise only and then go big. Um, but obviously you're, you're a much smaller production than them and you've got great quality Uh we can find these wines at sparkmancellars.com. You can. Right? Sure can. Cool. And the other wine I see is black, uh, black purple, black as night. Uh, tell me about this wine. 
This is a Portuguese varietal called Turiga Nacional, and we brought it in in 2010 to make a, we can't call it port, but it's a port, fortified red wine, um, which was for our wine club. It's called Hallelujah, because, I mean, that's what you say when you're feeling righteous, right? (laughs) So the 2012 vintage, we had more, and we, once again, of course, gave way to the schizophrenia and said, what if we did a dry Tariga? And it was just phenomenal in the barrel early on. Loved this wine. This is a wine that you can only get at the at the wine club. Um, 100% Tariga Nacional. Just called rightly named, right? It, it is now, but okay. as it leaves the wine club, it'll probably... Be hallelujah. I'm thinking it's going to be called Lola. Lola. Yeah, we've got a... There's a Chardonnay out there family. in Washington called There's a Lola. couple of Lolas in Woodenville, actually. <laughs> okay. And I've, I've, then we're all cool. They're all cool. Yeah. Well, so fun. Uh, Triga Nacional is, you know, Portuguese wines, for those of you like um, international styles of wine, the Portuguese are making some fantastic wines with those old vines and, and great uh, indigenous varieties like Triga Nacional and Tinta Boca and uh, Tinta Cow and Tinta Raris and all this other stuff. Um, uh, so fun. Delicious wine. It is big. But it's not overpowering, but uh, it does give me a, a second to uh, kind of re- recompose yourself or compose yourself after you taste it and go, ah, mmm, yummy. Yeah, I have not had anyone who didn't have sort of a visceral reaction to this wine. And uh, how does it have the same winemaker from the beginning, from 2004? No, actually, Mark McNeely oh, okay. made 2004 and five, and I was learning with him at that time. I made the wine with Erica Orr's oh, right. guidance from six through ten. Lynn came on as assistant in ten and eleven, and then uh, joined us full time in two thousand and twelve. So this will be his fifth vintage with us. Awesome. Well, uh, I'll know. I can state this that uh, your quality has been consistent from the get go, and I think that's one of the hallmarks of Sparkling Cellars, is that you've have uh, a there's there's a humbleness to your your personality which I truly appreciate. I think that's the good old southern hospitality in you. You make everyone feel very at home and very at ease and that's fun. I understand though that you actually uh have some leadership positions in the industry and uh, tell me about your role in the Was- in the Washington Wine Commission. I have uh served on the Washington State Wine Commission for 4 years now and as chairman for the last year. Uh, and will continue to serve as chairman for this next year through July of fifteen, I suppose. And it's a tremendous privilege. I don't, I can't do better than that word right now. An honor to be in this role at this time. This industry is at its inflection point, as we all know. And we just did an interesting study that showed that in uh, five of our key. Uh, markets in the United States, New York, San Francisco, Chicago, Austin, and Seattle. Among retailers, only California is uh, thought of more highly or sold more highly than Washington State. So we've jumped through a number of hoops and the tide is rising. So it's a great time to be a part of this nascent but very strong industry. We're young, but uh, we are we're energetic and enthusiastic. We're young, we're tough, we're good-looking, and some of us are V-shaped. <laughs> I love it. Chat with Chris Sparkman, the man behind Sparkman Cellars, and uh, 
the chairman of the board, which is really cool, here on Happy Hour Radio. Hey, um, coming up on the show, I also have the lovely Jamie Piha, who's the woman behind Wine Rocks here in Seattle, and she's had some history and leadership positions with the Washington Wine Commission, and uh, also quite the imagination of fantastic fun events throughout Seattle and beyond, I believe. Uh, and then also coming up later in the show is Lance Winters, the nuclear mind behind stgeorgespirits.com. We're going to check out his terroir gin and uh, his absinthe, which is really exciting, uh, here on Happy Hour Radio. Hey, if you want to find me on the Twitter sphere, reach out at Happy HR Radio. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Jeff Cox with PCC Natural Markets, and you're listening to Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan on 570KVI. Lars Larson has the real story, weekdays 6 to 9 p.m., only on Talk Radio 570KVI. Talk Radio 570KVI want to know weekends continue. Now back to Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. Hey, that's right. It's Happy Hour here in Seattle and the Pacific Northwest. Happy Hour Radio. Welcome back. I've got Chris Sparkman here from SparkmanSellers.com. And coming up on the show, I've got Mr. Lance Winters of St. George Spirits and the lovely Jamie Piha with Piha Promotions going to chat up about wine rocks. Hey, but Chris, uh, with Sparkman Sellers, Mr. Sparkman, you have 25 labels. Um, I see some reds here. Tell me what other styles of wine do you have? We make a, an, we call it Alsatian-style Riesling from two German clones grown in Washington. So it's a Washington Riesling. Really dry, lovely, minerally. Call that Birdie. We do, uh, my wife Kelly's uh, project is Pearl Sauvignon Blanc, which this year we tucked a little Roussan and Grenache Blanc into. Hmm. Yeah, it's really cool. My tasting notes, I was struck by the notion of a soundboard and the Roussan kind of, tweaks the bass and the Grenache Blanc, the treble, and it really works. It's super cool. Puts it to 11. Yeah, it turns it up to 11. A <laughs> couple of Chardonnays. Um, Apparition is our Rhone White, uh, which is Roussan, Marsan, and Grenache Blanc. Love that. Uh, Rosé called This Old Porch, <laughs> that's where you drank it. Um, Pinot Noir from Oregon's Temperance Hill Vineyard. Thanks, wow. Guy. Yep. Cool, old, kind of hippie-type vineyard. <laughs> and uh, three Syrahs, five blends. Malbec, Cab Franc, never thought we would do such a thing. However, our GM, Brian K came to us and said, you must do this. And I said, why must I do that? And he said, go talk to those people out there. And sure enough, I asked our folks in the tasting room in the wine club, if we could make something other than the 18 wines we're currently making, <laughs> what would it be? And they all said Cab Franc. And wow. I said, what have you people been reading? Or was there a movie I missed? So lots of cool stuff. That one's called Yonder because it was the furthest from my mind. Oh, my goodness. The cutest names. Uh, some great wine. And you've got, like, something for everybody up at Sparkman Cellars. Even Cabernet, if you like that. We've got Kingpin and Rainmaker. The Kingpin. Oh, and we're launching a new Cabernet from 42-year-old vines out of Dionysus called Evermore. Wow. So fun. Uh, what a treat. I want you to stick around and uh, give me some perspective on some of these great spirits we're going to try. But Chris Sparkman, thank you for joining me on Happy Hour Radio. Appreciate you, neighbor. 
My pleasure. And Jamie Piha, I should say, welcome to Happy Hour Radio. Thank you. It's fabulous to have Happy Hour Radio at this time of the day. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> We've got glasses of red, glasses of white. Uh, every have, hour is happy hour, right? Every hour, especially <laughs> since Saturdays at 11. Hey, um, so... <clears throat> wow, you've been in this Washington wine game for how many years? Oh, too many to count, I think. Uh, let's see, I started at the Wine Commission in 1994 when there were 80 wineries in the state of Washington. Today, what, there's 800? That's 10 yeah. times. I mean, that's a lot of growth. That is a lot of growth. That is a lot of growth. Very exciting. Yes. So um, when you were at the Wine Commission in 1994, what mm -hmm. was your position? I was the marketing director then, and um, we had not really gone into other markets at the time. And so we sort of launched uh, the, well, the Taste Washington event, which was started in 98. Mm -hmm. uh, Paramount. Launched that and then took that idea on the road to four or five major markets and... Uh. Introduced Washington wine out there uh, when people were like, "Wow, well, you grow grapes in Washington." Hopefully, they're not saying that anymore, Chris. When you're out traveling, they're not they're not saying that anymore, right? What side of the Potomac? We're we're live now. They, they, <laughs> they know about it. Hey, us. the yeah. Seahawks for sure put them on the map. Yeah, Come that's on right. That's right. They're just worried about yeah. the rain still. Yeah. So, uh, you had a marketing background prior to that. Uh, you know, I had been in the hospitality industry for 20 years. I was a restaurant manager in uh, Seattle and in Los Angeles for many years and uh, sort of decided, you know, I had I had done my deal in the restaurant world yeah. and, and found that I really liked the business and marketing side of things. And so came upon the Washington Wine Commission and was able to wear a lot of hats during my uh, 10 years there and uh, just kind of fell in love with marketing. Yes, fantastic. And you are quite the maven, and I've, I've said that before. Um, you worked at Seattle Magazine as well in some capacity? I did. When I left uh, the Wine Commission, I went to Seattle Magazine and uh, was the director of marketing and promotions for them for about seven publications and did hundreds of events each year, uh, getting Seattle Magazine involved in things and kind of learned the media side of things, which was super fun and a great publication still love what they do. Yeah, I, I, it comes to my home every month, and I uh, love the photos, and it's just fun to see. see I'm a homer. Yeah. We have Seattle. <laughs> well, um, you, all that event experience and uh, provided you this inspiration to, to do a couple other things outside of those two uh, organizations. What are you up to? Well, uh, probably the biggest event I do is the Seattle Wine and Food Experience, which is an annual event uh, every February. Yeah, it's so fun. And it's, uh, you know, it's a fun event. I mean, kind of brings together all the topics you're talking about here on Happy Hour Radio. You've got spirits, you've got wine, uh, food, uh, chefs, local specialty products that are out there. Uh, cider now has become big, mm -hmm. beer, all those things. Kind of brings them together in one, under one roof uh, and focuses not only on the Northwest, but also on uh, the greater United States uh, wine producing regions as well as a few other countries, which is sort of nice to be able to taste them all under one roof. Oh, it's fantastic. I love the fact that you've got a full day. Or is it two days? It's one day. Yeah, it's one mm -hmm. day. Um, maybe I'm just thinking about the day after. <laughs> yeah, the day before the day after, yeah. It takes a while to put it together. Uh, featuring Oregon, California, France, uh, Idaho? Idaho was there Idaho, this year. Yeah. Yep, we had a lot from California, had a little bit from France, some from Italy. I'd like to see that aspect grow a little bit. It's kind of hard to get some of those wines up here, as you know. Well, it's, you know... It's, if the liquor control board can worry about some of the green stuff heading around, then we'll, they'll, they'll be under their radar. Uh, but this idea of wine rock, so fun. We have a lot of musicians. I'm a drummer. I played drums for 14 years and when I had long hair, hair at all anyway. <laughs> I've seen those pictures yeah. on Facebook. Yeah, it's fun. But uh, tell me about Wine Rocks. Well, Wine Rocks was actually the uh, the idea of Jen Doak, who is a restaurant owner now, Brimmer and Heel Tap in Ballard. And uh 
was uh, it's been around for seven years, and uh, she uh, actually came to me when the she the idea came to her. Gibson Guitars had approached her and said, you know, what about wine and music together? And so they used to have a studio, Gibson Studio, and it was really small. So we put this event together for about a hundred people, and you know, had some cheese and chocolate, and we had some winemakers who were actually musicians, and that's really where the premise started. And so we've kept that alive now for seven years, uh, and bringing in the entertainment is really Washington winemakers who have a music talent. So we have four bands being featured this year. Uh, Gordy Rawson from Chatter Creek, yeah. who's always had his band there, and every year he gives his band a new name. So uh. this year, let's see, what's it called? <laughs> this year it is called, I don't know if I have it with me. The Reincarnation. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah, there you go. Every year a new <laughs> band. We have uh, Victor Palencia. This will be the first time we have Hispanic oh. music playing at Wine Rocks, which is really cool. I'm very excited about that. That is fun. Yeah. Darren Devoyne, uh, Devoyne Sellers from uh, Woodenville, he'll be there. Yeah, and he he's does got some pipes he can sing super fun super fun and they all come out in their you know track uniforms and i mean he just puts yeah. on a show it's great so <laughs> it's a touch a devo in there somewhere exactly so it's super fun to see um to kind of bring the wine and music together and also showcase the talents that washington winemakers have not just in making wine but in some of these other arts that you know they're creative creative types uh, uh so exciting and that's uh, thursday july 10th at bell harbor winerockseattle.com for tickets and information Sounds so fun. Hey, Sparky, uh, do you got a banjo someplace or a harmonica or what? Yeah. What's your talent here? My musical talent is named Jerry Sparkman, and he's my brother. <laughs> <laughs> he can play anything stringed, uh, phenomenal guitarist, mandolin, dobro. We call him Dobro Bro. <laughs> um, but I play n- nothing. Oh. Stella plays the piano. You play the snap and the clap, huh? <laughs> Stella plays the piano. Ruby is a dancer you wouldn't believe, and uh, that's kind of where we are right now. Well, that's cool. Um, you should bring them to Wine Rocks. 21 and only, or is it, can you, is it a family event? It is 21, uh, 21 and over, okay. $45. And, uh, you know, we've got 40 winemakers there, beer, and it's going to be super fun. Seven food trucks, lots of specialty foods. Yeah, it's a great time, and it's typically nice and sunny out because we're right there on the water and on the, on the, the main platform on the pier. At Bell Harbor on Thursday, July 10th. That's Wine Rock, Seattle. So, um, so Jamie, stick around. I want you to chime in on some of these great spirits we're going to try here shortly. Because I've got Lance Winters coming up here on the show. And uh, for all those out in Happy Hour Radio land, you can check out our calendar of events at the website. It's happyhourradio.net. And for those of you who uh, are on the Twitter sphere, check us out at Happy HR Radio. That's on Twitter. Give me a tweet. I'll give you a tweet back. I might retweet you and we'll have a treat, treat, treat time. Hey, I'll be right back, uh, coming back from this break with Lance Winters, Jamie Piha, and more on Happy Hour Radio. Wine Country is Seattle's big backyard, and spring is the time to enjoy it. With over 100 wineries and tasting rooms, plus microbreweries, distilleries, and dining, Woodenville has a taste for everyone. Go to WoodenvilleWineCountry.com for details on events, tastings, releases, and more. Hello, I'm John Patterson with Patterson Sellers. You're listening to Happy Hour Radio on 570 KVI. The home of the great one, Mark Levin. Weekdays, 3 to 6 p.m. Talk Radio 570 KVI. KVI Want to Know Weekends. Time for another round of Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. 
Hey, welcome back to Happy Hour Radio. Having a great time with Chris Sparkman here from SparkmanSellers.com. And uh, Miss Jamie Piha, who's the woman behind Wine Rock Seattle. That's Thursday, July 10th. Uh, also, check out all of her events and her uh, Table Talk North, tabletalknorthwest.com tabletalknorthwest.com she's got some great interviews some videos if you want to learn more about uh, our industry which is so fun and with 800 wineries and more <laughs> there's lots to learn check out uh, tabletalknorthwest.com so Jamie uh, what can we look ahead at? once we get past people get a taste of this great Wine Rocks event they're going to want more what what uh, is coming down the pike well Wine Rocks uh, July 10th obviously and uh, I'm on the board for the auction of Washington Wines that's coming up in August the middle of August and you've got three great Eight days of events. Picnic. What's the date on that? 14th. 14th. There you go. August 14th. Okay, so you got picnic and you've got the gala and the winemaker dinners. And then um, in uh, the fall, we have lamb rocks. Uh, lamb rocks. <laughs> See, I'm at lamb rocks because I'm drinking wine. So wine rocks, lamb rocks too. But this is lamb jam. Lamb okay. Jam. Lamb jam involves 20 chefs preparing lamb, uh, different cuts of lamb, and it is paired with wines, which is fabulous. And that'll be November 2nd. And you can Do get you have in- a location there? That's actually going to be at Bell Harbor. Oh. We like Bell Harbor. They yeah. have great space and great for chefs to come in there and work. They have a full kitchen, so awesome. we'll be doing it there. And uh, and then uh, next February, the big event for me is the Seattle Wine and Food Experience. And it's uh, it's quite the experience. I love that event. Um, so you do a great job. It's great to have you on the show. Thank you. Uh, I love the fact that you're out there working so hard so that we can have a good time. <laughs> it seems unfair, but um, <laughs> you seem to be having fun. So, Jamie Piha, thanks for joining me on Happy Hour Radio. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Mr. Lance Winters, or is it uh, Dr. Lance Winters? Or let me say this. Lance Winters, welcome to Happy Hour Radio. Thank you very much. It's great to be here. Hey, so you're from Oakland, California? I am. And uh, I'm reading this this really fantastic biography here. Um, St. George Spirits, is uh, you're the master distiller, the creative force. But it <laughs> says here that you were a nuclear engineer. Yeah, it's a, it's a little bit glorified for what I really did. I was sort of like Homer Simpson sitting controlling a, oh! a, a nuclear power plant on, uh, on an aircraft carrier. <laughs> so. You did have your donut on there and a cup of coffee? Absolutely, oh. every single day. Man, that sounds so fun. It was great. It was really lovely. And it's, uh, it's actually one of the things that was responsible for getting me to Seattle the very first time. Uh, God, probably, this, I don't even want to say how long ago that was. It was probably 28 years ago. And what was, so, what was the name of the vessel? Uh, the USS Enterprise. Enterprise. Come in. Enterprise. Yeah. Ah, so fun. Uh, and that is a nuclear aircraft carrier. Aircraft carrier. And yeah. uh, decommissioned now. De- yeah. Is it over? last year. What is it, Bremerton, or did they move it to San Diego or something? They moved it to Norfolk, Virginia. Oh, yeah. Well, lucky them. So um, once you got out of the service, you decided that uh, you wanted to do what? Uh, it was better to split beers than Adams at that point, <laughs> so started brewing beer. I had taken a, a, a home brew hobby and turned it into a job that paid like a hobby, working at a brew pub for a while. Um, and while I was doing that, really discovered single malt whiskeys and Mm. fell in love with those and started learning about them, realized that brewing was halfway to making single malt whiskey and making single malt whiskey is one of those things you should never do halfway. So I started distilling in my garage. Uh, kids don't try this at home. It's illegal (laughs) and dangerous. Um, uh, and I believe that the statute of limitations on my moonshining experience has expired. Uh, Chris, you'll have to tell me about that. I think with your, your experience, you probably know a little bit more about moonshining. Uh, but, uh, 
You were the I, first Breaking Bad. Is that what it is? You were like the. the yeah. Uh, don't, don't call me Dr. Winters, please. Just call me Heisenberg. Uh, uh, so, uh, yeah, I, I, I started distilling at home. The whiskey was really good. I ended up showing up um, almost 19 years ago now at St. George Spirits with a bottle of whiskey as a resume. Mm. And uh, that's an idea. Haven't left since. Wow. If you want to give me a wine job, it's like, hey, here's what I like to drink. How about you? Very cool. Um, I used to brew beer. I loved brewing beer. Uh, the only challenge is that you had to drink it all so you could get more bottles and use the bottles again. <laughs> so that kind of became a, a heavy experience in some terms. But uh, you started brewing. What was the name? Did you name your whiskey when you were uh, knocking on that St. George Spirits door? Yeah. Uh, it was called Winter's Oak. Uh, and it was uh, a, a big multi one, and because of the fact that uh, I couldn't afford actual barrels, I aged it in a in a keg on oak chips. Uh, fortunately, it was it was good enough to to drink without any aging, and the oak chips just gave it a little bit of uh, light vanilla. Mm. Uh, was it was really lovely. But uh, since then, we've been making whiskey at the distillery for the last nearly nineteen years. Um, we're bottling some actually in just a few weeks, and got a 17-year-old barrel that's going in there of our own single malt, and it's it's really, really quite lovely. I mean, a whiskey, 17-year-old whiskey. Yep. Ah, so fun. Uh, yeah. That's really cool. And way to have the patience for you, sipping that like once a month just to test it. It's gone down. The angel share is well, more than... The, the, the good thing, the, the way to do this is to make sure that you've got enough barrels that you can, you can find one that you're going to sip on from time to time, and all the rest stay nice and full. Ah, so fun. So... You got the job. StGeorgeSpirits.com hired you, and yep. uh, now you've got a whole portfolio of spirits here. I've got a white and a it's a dead leaf green, you call it, but tell me about this idea behind your gins. Um, thanks for asking. Uh, I'm really, really loving this gin. Um, got about six, seven years ago, I was hiking in the hills in Oakland, and uh and the smell of the parklands there was just so amazing that I thought it would be a lot of fun to distill that smell, to capture that. At the time, I wasn't thinking in terms of gin. I was just thinking in terms of being inspired by this place. Um, ended up going and wild foraging for Douglas fir, bay laurel, coastal sage, wild fennel, distilling all those things along with more traditional gin ingredients, but some that really focus on that sense of terroir. Um, hence the name on this gin, Mount Tam Terroir. Mount Tam has all those different botanicals growing on it. Um, we distill those with juniper. We wok roast our coriander before it goes into the still to shift the flavor profile on that coriander. You said a wok, like That's, a Chinese yeah, wok? like a Chinese wok. That's it's actually right. the wok that I got for my 13th birthday. Um, <laughs> and uh, so it's well-seasoned at this point. Um, orris root and angelica root, which stand in for mulchy forest floor. They give that earthiness to it. Um, cinnamon, which gives us that really beautiful, dusty, sun-baked earth quality. Um, and then orange peel and lemon peel, just for brightness. You really need that to keep the juniper from uh, from going flabby. Well, I'll say it, this is one of the most complex um, and floral, yet herbal. It does smell like you're, there's, this, there's a breath of mountain spring air um, going through the flowers and, and, and then the, this forest floor, the, the savory notes, the sage. Or excuse me, the the rosemary and the pine just just balanced enough to give you that complexity, but not off putting like some juniper gins can be. Well, and I think with some of the some of the gins where that juniper is off putting, it goes in this very acrid direction. And I think with those, they're putting juniper berries right into the pot instead of in the vapor path, 
Um, we do it with mm. uh, a vapor infusion, and it gives the most beautiful, most elegant qualities of the juniper and leaves all those acrid things behind. Oh, Sparky, what do you think of this, Jen and Jamie? Well, this is delicious. What do you think? Uh, the nose on this thing is unbelievable. It is super complex, but, I mean, they all come through. All the things you were talking about is amazing. Yeah, well, if they don't come through, there's no point putting them there. <laughs> yeah, I, I would have a problem having too much of this around the house. I mean, it's just this is unbelievable. Perhaps the most beautiful gin I've ever stuck my. And the nose palate in. too wow, is you. so soft on the palate. Just the mouth feels fantastic. What's the proof on this? Ninety proof. And what is the retail? Uh, retail's about thirty-five bucks. Oh, now that's quite an experience. I would say that this is um, reminds me of a single malt because of the complexity and the finish. It's very long and it's it's beautiful. Well, you know, it, everything that we craft, there's a there's a philosophy that's behind all of it. We started 32 years ago as an eau de vie distillery. Mm. Uh, we were the the very first artisan distillery, craft distillery, whatever you want to call it, um, in the country, and we were crafting eau de vies. And an eau de vie is essentially an olfactory snapshot oh, of yeah. a piece of fruit that you absolutely love. And you apply that philosophy to, in the case of gins, all the different botanicals that go in, and you're going to have something that's got, that's got uh, a beginning, a middle, and an end. It's, it's structured. Wow. It's fantastic. And uh, this is speaking with Lance Winters, the master distiller and nuclear physicist behind stgeorgespirits.com. Tasting his terroir gin. And coming back from this break, we're going to jump into something even more exciting, a little absinthe. Uh, so stay tuned here on Happy Hour Radio. Hey, this is Chris Gorman from Gorman Winery, and you are listening to Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan on 570 KVI. He's live. He's here. Sean Hannity. Weekdays, noon to 3, only on Talk Radio 570 KVI. It's KVI Want to Know Weekends, and you're listening to Happy Hour Radio. Now back to Seattle, Somalia, Christopher Chan. Hey, and welcome back to Happy Hour Radio. I am your advanced sommelier, Christopher Chan, speaking with Mr. Lance Winters of St. George Spirits. St. George Spirits is a fantastic artisan craft uh, distillery down in Oakland, California. Uh, so, Lance, tell me about some of the other fantastic products you make. Well, as uh, as I was just touching on before, we started with eau de vie. We're still making eau de vie. We do a, a pear eau de vie and a raspberry eau de vie. We also make liqueurs from both pears and raspberries. Um, we've got three gins, the terroir that we tasted, botanivore, which is sort of our spin on uh, on a London dry style, dry rye, which is one that has a rye whiskey as a base, very malty, very interesting. That's a gin? It is. Wow. Uh, it, it reads a lot more like a, a traditional Geneva. So really okay. tasty there. Which would be a Dutch style gin for those of you who are out there in Happy Hour Radio um, our single malt whiskey. We just launched a coffee liqueur. We have a big, funky, swaggery agricole rum that we make from sugarcane that comes up from Brawley in Southern California. And it is, it's as funky as they come. 
makes wow. makes fantastic tropical drinks. Are all these available in the Seattle market? Uh, the rum is not yet available in Seattle. Um, there are a whole bunch of tests that you guys have to pass before <laughs> I can bring Personally, this up. Personally, I got to pass a test. Yeah, yep, touch my nose, yeah, do yeah, the alphabet it's, thing. It's, it's very special stuff. Uh, it's uh, it's a very limited supply, but we're working on getting some up here. So. Uh, well, I invite all of our listeners to check out stgeorgespirits.com for that whole lineup, and they sound tasty and very exciting. I'm a big Oda V fan, but what I have here in my glass is uh, amazingly pungent, powerful, and the color is this mysterious, uh, almost uh, galactic green. <laughs> <laughs> what is this? This is our absinthe. So uh, you, 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 you know that old adage about uh, buy a man a fish, he eats for a day. Well, uh, you know, give a guy a shot of whiskey and he'll waste a few hours. Give him a still, and he'll waste the rest of his life. I uh, I spent about twelve years playing around with absinthe recipes. Um, all the different ingredients for absinthe are readily available and have never been outlawed. Um, and you know, I had I had a lab still available to me, so I started playing around making absinthe. And the first batch was completely undrinkable. And over the years, uh, it evolved to this place where it was just really fantastic but stuff. But it really took the varnish off that table. Eh? It, it, it really <laughs> did. Uh, and it's a shame because that table really pulled the room together. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, tied the room together. So, uh, so it evolved to this place where it became this beautifully balanced symphony of really, really loud botanicals. Um, and what we have now in your glass mm-hmm. is it starts as a Chardonnay brandy. Chardonnay brandy as a base gives great mouthfeel. Uh, also gives a little bit of citrus quality to be able to give a good clean finish for an absinthe. Into that we infuse wormwood, star anise, and fennel. Redistill that. Redistill that, and and then into that clear liquid we do another infusion of meadowsweet and stinging nettles. And opal basil, no and ricola mint, and tarragon, and um, uh, lemon balm, and hyssop, and all those things give you this amazing depth of complexity. Uh, it's bottled at sixty percent alcohol, one hundred and twenty proof. Not just to show off, not just to menace your guests that come over for your dinner parties, but because of the fact that all those different essential oils mm-hmm. that are dissolved from those botanicals. They have to have a high alcohol content to be able to stay in solution, which is one of the reasons that when you add water to an absinthe, you get that luching effect. Mm. All those essential oils are coming out of solution in the form of microscopic droplets, uh, and they're refracting the light differently than they did before. Wow. Well, I love the fact that you're so well-spoken about your craft, about your ingredients, and um, you... You, you make something just delicious. I love the mouthfeel. Now, this absinthe, uh, I'll say I'm a little scared, but... Uh, you should it, be. The, <laughs> the mouthfeel is so soft that it's like, I mean, it's so pungent and so powerful. I was like, oh, my goodness. Um, but so little ice, little sugar cube. I would I would go for the ice and I would skip the sugar okay. cube. There, um, that tradition is one that came from a lot of absinths that were bitter, really bitter. Yeah, um, sugar's a great cover-up for a lot of things. <laughs> Just so, ask the wine business. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. Well, and you can you can never underestimate the American public's uh, desire to taste sweet things. So, yeah. uh, but I I really prefer it without. There's enough sensation of sweetness coming from all the the anethol bearing ingredients. Uh, and uh, and that's a clean sweetness. It's one that that doesn't linger and cloy the palate. It's just sweet enough, and the the, the bitter notes just 
dry the palate at the end. Great job. Thanks. Uh, Lance Winters with stgeorgespirits.com. Um, fantastic spirits. I really appreciate you being here. Thanks. Thanks, Thanks for, having for joining me on, me on Happy Hour Radio. Yeah. Hey, I uh, had a great time with Christian Sparkman of uh, SparkmanSellers.com and, of course, Jamie Piha with Piha Promotions. Uh, looking ahead uh, at next week's show, we've got the, the one and only Patricia Gellis with Clips and Vineyard. And then a friend of mine, well, they're all friends, Mina Williams with Northwester.com and Big Red. Uh, Mr. Phil Klein from Notches Heights Vineyard. So come back next week. Uh, for Happy Hour Radio. Um, remember the Twitter sphere, Happy HR Radio, and uh, if you'd like some good wines, check out Seattle Wine Awards and OregonWineAwards.com. Hey, had a good time with you. Uh, remember, life is always better with a designated driver. Cheers. Cheers.